I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast being recorded each week from King's Comics, which is 310 Pitt Street, Sydney, or kingscomics.com. My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. And every week, Siobhan and I read every single comic, sometimes, most weeks, every single comic. All the time, I forget. Unless one of us is on tour with the Venga Boys, and that was not Siobhan. Sucked <laughs> in. <laughs> Um, although I tried, I auditioned, it just didn't go my way The tour is over, um, so dare I say you may never hear the words The Venga Boys uh, said on this podcast again I don't want to live in that world Shout out to not one listener who came and to it to one of the Venga Boys shows <laughs> Unfortunately no crossover there, whatever. but it was a fun tour <laughs> Yes, it looked fun <laughs> um, So uh, I got back from the tour last night, we're, we're recording this on Monday afternoon And uh, I went to Siobhan's house, she was lovely enough to pick up all of my comics for me uh, and uh, I kind of picked them up from her, and I tried to read as many as I could uh, in about 12 hours. You did, like, really, really well. Uh, thank you. I think I got through <laughs> Considering both. you hadn't seen your children. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, I dropped my son at daycare today, and um, I went and I sat in the park. Nice. And I read about 25-ish comics. Nice. I think I read almost every number one that came out this week, which is handy, because the first segment that we do each week on this podcast is called First Things First. And that include that is all about us reviewing all of the new number ones, the first issues of brand new comics that came out last week. Mm-hmm. And there were some big ones. Absolutely. There was a couple of Marvel books, a few DC books. Um, we got a brand new Young Animal book mm-hmm. and uh, a big surprise from Boom. Yeah. So look forward to all of these coming up right now. Let's kick off. First things first. We'll start with Marvel, Siobhan. Let's what do did it. you think of Riri Williams in the brand new number one by Brian Michael Bendis and Stefano Caselli, uh, Invincible Iron Man number one? I mean, the main, I think the main takeaway has to be that Caselli is extremely good at superhero comics. I mean, Bendis always gets good talent working on his books. Absolutely. Um, whether or not Bennett's is talented on each of his books is uh, another conversation, but it is one that we can kind of have right now. Uh, so, <laughs> Riri Williams. Yeah, I mean, if you, you can't have the conversation about whether or not Bennett's is talented while you review one of his books, when can you have Yeah, it? absolutely. Uh, Riri Williams was introduced in uh, the la- last Iron Man run that Bendis wrote. Um, she basically, I guess, is, I, didn't, I didn't read it, but I assume she was like some, a young person that meets Tony Stark yeah. up on one adventure, and she's working on her own. Armor and he assists her in some weird way. Mm-hmm. Did you read it? Nope. Nope. I haven't been reading Iron Man since Matt Fraction left, left the book. Yeah. Um, um, so this is uh, 
we all know that after that, that we, even though we don't know how it happens, we all, we know that something happens to Tony Stark at the end of Civil War Two. Yes, I assume death, but I reckon in this fingers book, crossed. <laughs> I reckon it's going to be something weird and surprising. I think. Yeah. Um, Riri Williams is one of the characters taking the mantle of Iron Man. The other one is Doctor Doom. We mm-hmm. already read. What's what what what's the uh, adjective before oh, God. the ver- what, the the infamous Iron Man? Yeah, there we go. Uh, is that adjective? Is that the right right word? Oh, God, name. I don't know. <laughs> Let us yes. know. Serious issues at kingscomics.com. Help is us with our grammar. grammar. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> they don't really teach us that in Australia. <laughs> um, so, Invisible Iron Man number one is all about Riri Williams taking the mantle of Iron Man in her own suit of armor. Um, we learn her backstory, which is problematic for me. Yeah. Because it is a young black um, girl who loses her best friend and her stepdad to gang violence. Yeah. And I just think if, like, you know, you're making a big point of having a young black girl take the mantle of Iron Man, which is, I think, you know, you, you can tell great stories with that, and it's important for people to see representation of characters Absolutely. in media that they read. Like, that, like or, you know, everyone reading should have a character they can relate to in a way. Mm. I just, I think that's, that just put bad taste in my mouth straight away. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I felt... I felt like it was like it, it was a motivation that she didn't need. Like she was already on that path, and so it just seemed like this really horrible moment of quite stereotypical violence that seemed profoundly unnecessary for me. Like she doesn't need to have a tragic past to motivate her to do good. Yeah, and it's this whole like yeah yeah I I, I agree that was an odd moment for me. Like I mean even if you take away the just broad racial painting of having gang violence yeah. be a part of her her upbringing. Just death as a as a as a motivator for superheroism is tired. It's done. Yeah, absolutely. And she was already on that path anyway. She's yeah. already inventing things in her basement. You know, all she needs to be is someone that, that that's eager and follows Tony yeah. Stark. And then as soon as he disappears, she decides to take up the mantle. And the thing, like, the thing that stresses me out, like, a we already have like. We have a lot of characters in the Marvel universe that are super geniuses. That's fine. That's great and everything. I'm down with that. They were sort of almost setting her up to be like semi-autistic. Like she's so intelligent that you have to, we have to all be around. And like autistic is probably the wrong word, but like um, you you know we have to be around to remind her of her humanity and stuff like that because she's so intelligent. Yeah. And then at the end of the book, so they kill off her best friend, who is the person that seems to like be her connection to humanity, and they replace her with an artificial intelligence version of Tony Stark. Like I would be so much more interested in reading a comic book about a young African-American girl figuring things out with her best friend as her sidekick and motivator, as opposed to a like ghostly projection of a dead white dude. Like I just, (laughs) I I find that. And I also, I hate the way Bendis writes Iron Man. I'm, over that like snappy bantery version of totally. um of Tony Robert, Stark, Robert, Robert Downey Jr. just heaps bored Light. of it. Yep. Um, and I just thought that ending really. I was like, why? Why am well, I that's reading the, this? That's the like that now means that the AI version of Tony Stark is going to appear in both versions of Iron yeah. Man. And I think that's the like, look, we killed him, but he's still in the comics. Yeah. Like the cake and eating it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, <laughs> like again, it's like still we we are uh, unfortunate. That we we go into Bendis books expecting yeah. the worst. So when they are not a hundred percent terrible, you're like, I guess that wasn't so bad. But yeah. part of me wants to just take a stand and not read any more of this. But I like the idea of Riri Williams as a character. I know, and I don't want I don't want people like I don't I hate that attitude of like, oh, 
no one bought this book, therefore the character sucks. And it has nothing to do 100%. with the character. Like, everyone acts as if, not everyone, but people sometimes act as if these characters, like, literally exist. And it's just how she's written. This character has infinite potential. It's just that she's being written slightly poorly by Bendis so far. Yeah. I really, I would have loved for him to have a collaborator absolutely. on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agreed. Like, yeah. Either a woman or a black writer or a young female black writer would be perfect. As we saw writing the first issue of um, another good Marvel, well, a good Marvel title this week, um, Black Panther World of Wakanda. Yeah. And we could, should we talk about that now? Or should we do we a little wrap yeah. up on, uh, infamous, on Invincible Iron Man? Are you going to keep reading Invincible Iron Man? Uh, look, I'm going to give it another issue or two. Yeah. This- just because I have to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and then that said, like even a bad Bender's comic is is ridiculously easy to read. Absolutely, that's the thing with with his with the, that's that's his strength. If nothing else, his comics are really really easy to just keep turning that next next page. Yeah, and then it, you get to the end, you're like, nothing happened in this. It was just a bunch of conversations. Yeah, with no like, yeah. Anyway, it's fine. Black Panther: World of Wakanda, written by uh, Tanahisi Coates, but more importantly, Roxanne Gay. Um, yeah. What Tanahisi Coates acted as the consultant. He's just the consultant so on the series, written by Roxanne Gay. Um, Tanahisi Coates did the backup in this with a, uh, a poet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like almost an anthology series about characters that we've seen pop up in Tanahisi Coates's uh, Black Panther run so far. I don't pay. I don't pay attention to sales. We should. But yeah, absolutely. Is Black Panther selling really well? That I mean, the fact this? that it is continuing. Yeah. Um, and that it hasn't been cancelled yet makes me really hopeful. I think that it's probably a book that's doing maybe better overseas than it is like better in the States than we maybe experience in Australia. Um, it's a great book. We really like it. It's a great book. And, and, and it, it's got its hooks in me now. Absolutely. It took me a while. It was a, it was a, it was a slow burn, which I'm, I'm very grateful they've allowed him to tell his part, the story in, in his way, because slow burn books are fine. Yeah. So um, as long as they have the time to develop. Totally. And, uh, you know, you can tell, I reckon it's going to do great in trade and it is getting Marvel the good press that, and I, I know it's a cynical thing to bring up, but th- that definitely motivates Absolutely. In some way. You, yeah, you, absolutely. You, and if it's like, if it's a, if they can see that like, you know, putting their money behind diversity works, then that's great. And that's just going to impact everything else. Exactly. So, uh, this, uh, the, the first part of this anthology, the biggest story in this is the story of, um, Ayo and, um, what's her name? Um, but they're part of the uh, Dora Milaje. Is that what we're going to say? Dora Milaje. Which they, is- they have a um, they have a little pronunciation guide at the beginning. Oh, do they Dora really? Milaje. Oh, cool! I said it right without yeah. even consulting the guide. Nice. That's fantastic. Um, but uh, we've learnt. Um, We've met these characters. They are the two. Basically, these, these are the characters that are rebelling against Black Panther in the Black Panther comic. And they're sort of a, a troop of female warriors. Yeah, and uh, who are in love. Yeah. And this is like this was such a cute this is a, yeah, romance, an origin of their romance. And yeah. I was not like I, I think um, I, I was expecting. I was like, I opened this book. I was like, here we go. Like, give this, be patient with this book because you know a big story is going to develop. As is what ha- is what's happening with Tanahisi Coates Black mm. Panther run. Instead, you get an extremely easy to get into romance comic yeah. with th- thought bubbles. Which yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love thought bubbles. Oh my god! Especially when it's when they exist purely for a motivating why you were flirting with someone. Mm-hmm. That's like the only time they use thought bubbles in this is when they're explaining why they acted awkwardly in front of each other like to themselves. Yeah. It's great. It's like so good. It's almost like uh like using thought bubbles to to explain motivation for ro- romance. Like Absolutely. And, it's, and it's great cuz you know we don't know if these two women have 
you know been with other women before, or yeah, this yeah, is like yeah. a new, a new, like a completely new thing for both of them. Absolutely. Um, and so you see their romance blossoming as they train, as they go into war together, and mm-hmm. as the, the you know the the conflict in Wakanda develops. Um, I, I really, really liked this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, really fleshes out the Wakanda um, sort of society a little bit more for me. Like, I don't know that much about um, the history of Wakanda or anything like that. So, this is um, this was a really good and just a fun book to read. Like, it's semi-serious, but it was just really enjoyable and you yeah, just feel like it flew I was, past. I was not expecting fun because... Although it's starting to give you flashes of it now, the first five issues or whatever of the Black Panther run that Tanahisi Coates has run, mm. they're, they're not they're not fun. No, 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 that's like a serious. It's very that's serious. a serious comic book. Serious issue, you guys. <laughs> um, but and then the, the backup um, is uh, is written by Tanahisi Coates and, and Yona Harvey, who's a um, who's a poet apparently, with art by Afua Richardson, who I love. She's amazing. What else has she done? Well, let me Google. Um, well, 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 you Google. She's got some back stuff up, coming up your soon. Facts. Um, so this this again tells a story of uh, another another character who is against Black Panther, but in a like not necessarily a bad guy, because um, Black Panther is kind of seen as uh, he's he's good to the people of Wakanda, but not good to the neighboring Ooh. nations. Ooh, sorry, Afua Richardson is going to be doing. When is this? This got announced in March. I wonder if it's still coming. She's going to be doing a female version of Blade. That's awesome. That's so cool. Blade's daughter? Awesome. That's great. I want that. Okay, cool. So, at least we know that she's going to be good in the future. Mm. I'm sure she's been good in the past, too. I'll take your word for it. She's done good stuff. <laughs> uh, so, we get we get another little origin story of, of, of how one of uh, Black Panther's opposing characters came to be in the position that she's in, in the Black Panther series. And uh, this was certainly a lot more serious, but still an enjoyable little comic that I think is going to continue. Oh, no, this is kind of like the beginning. So, I guess the, her adventures continue in the main Black Panther book. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this, this, is a, this is a really great little anthology comic. I think, I think I'm not sure if it's going to continue in the anthology format with two mm. stories. It's just going to be the, the story of Ao and her partner. Um, so, yeah, this is a big, big thumbs up from me. Black Panther, Absolutely. Wall of Wakanda. Agreed. Super fun. Really, really fun. Uh, and I was not expecting it to be fun at all. Yeah. Also, you know what I was expecting to not be fun? Me too, which is why I didn't read it up until Ave- two The Avengers ago. <laughs> 1.1. Uh, 0.1 issues, Marvel loves doing them. And more often than not, you can just go about your life without ever reading them and, and you'll be fine, mate. Yep, absolutely. This is actually part of an ongoing point. I guess they're going to do Avengers 1.1, 0.2, 0.3 and part four. This definitely feels like the start of a four-part series. Yeah. I did not know that going in. I thought this was just going to be a one-off. But basically, this is telling a story of, a, of classic Avengers... Written by Mark Wade with art by Barry Kitson. Those two work together <laughs> on uh, one of my favorite books that I always forget to recommend people when they ask, um, you know, what are some great superhero comics? And that's JLA Year One. Have you oh, read that? Wade and Kitson. So. Oh, man, it's so good because it's all the characters mm. that you, like, you know, you associate as Justice League members, but then there are just like members of the outsiders popping up and like mm. all these little nods to weird bits of DC stuff. And it's, you know, expertly written by. You know, Wade loves the Golden Age. He loves yeah. the Silver Age. He's so good at doing homages to them. And this is exactly what that is. This is a story um, basically in between issues of the original Avengers um, series that Stanley and Jack Kirby did. Uh, when um, Iron Man and Thor and Wasp and Giant Man uh, decide they want some time off from, from being Avengers, they assign Captain America, um, the head of a new team of Avengers that includes the reformed villain Hawkeye mm-hmm. and the former members of... Um, 
the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. It's always the funniest name for a team ever. Because, yeah. like, how can you possibly convince yourself that you're the good guys when you have evil in your name? Oh, well, I mean, you know who else is in this book? The Frightful Four. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is what? Melter, Medusa. Um, uh, Sandman and Wizard? Is that Sandman it? And, and... Oh, wait, sorry. Trapster, Trapster, Wizard, Medusa and Sandman. I can never tell Trapster and Melter apart. I think, I think Melter is in this book, actually. Mm. <laughs> so, but uh, it's just like, this is just a perfect um, homage to what the Avengers was originally, but done in, I guess, like a, a nice and a, a modern enough writing style. There's lots of great little quips and it's a breeze to read. The yeah. art's fantastic because, of course, it is Kitson's a, a comics legend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we complained about the Avengers 1 last week for just... I don't know. It doesn't Sucking. It doesn't feel like classic Avengers. And sometimes the nostalgia of, of those things is enough to, for you to keep reading a book. That Whereas that just kind of felt like, oh, I've read this, but it's not what I want from Avengers. Whereas this, yeah. without being that guy that's like, I want the classic lineup. Like, I just, you know, when, when you're spreading out your team, of, you know, we've got Great Lakes Avengers, we've got Avengers, we've got Champions. Mm. When you spread it out too many times, it just feels like, you know, you want all those classic characters together. That's why you read The Avengers to begin with. And uh, this is this is just delivering on so many levels. Yeah, I mean, like, I found it a little bit just, like, just a little bit boring. I don't know why. Like, you it's read, just, like, four pages. Yeah, I know. But I got bored, <laughs> and so I stopped. No, we had to start, um, the, to start the episode. But at home, I tried to read it, and I read a little bit, and I just got a little bit bored. Um, just because it was, like... Um, just do something different, you know? Like, it felt like, like, it's fine, it's good and everything, like, for a classic Avengers story, if that's what you're after. Mm. But I just felt like, for what? Like, for why is this? For nostalgia. I guess, yeah. I mean, and and Wade, Wade has written almost everything, but I don't think he's ever written this core lineup of the original Avengers before. Yeah. And he's done similar things that I loved over at DC. And I I think, you know, that's what I, that's one of the reasons I like Wade is his ability to kind of, you know, write nostalgic stories that that really resonate with some of the first comics I read. Yeah. Um, and I think he does this really, really well. I just feel like, I guess my thing is, um, point one issues are such a nightmare in comics retail because it's just like people don't want them. It's like this extra edition. And for, to justify double shipping um, something, I think you really have to be telling a story that is good and worthwhile. This is and a this, good and worthwhile story. It's better than the Avengers 1, number it's one. It's better than the Avengers 1, but I just don't see what new ground it's breaking. You well, know I mean, what it's I just mean? A good, it's a good story. I mean, yeah. we, we complained about we complained about Avengers. We, we thought Champions was okay. This is like, I think, a, re- a really good story that's better than both those books. So I would, even though it's nostalgic, it's like comics don't have to, superhero comics especially, don't have to do something new no. if it's just good. Yeah. I guess I just didn't think it was that good, I guess. I just thought it was a bit maybe, average. Maybe read more than four pages, mate. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, over to DC now. Oh, wait, hang on. I read another thing that you did not read. I read at Marvel, number no, so one. I, I didn't read it because it was boring. <laughs> It's fine. I looked at the cover <laughs> and, it was, and I was like, this is boring. Um, I read, <laughs> no, I just didn't read it because I didn't know it was out. <laughs> um, so, The Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows. Um, so, this is heaps confusing. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Ryan Stegman. Goodness, I love Ryan Stegman. Um, so, this is set... I mean, this book confused... Even, like, Scott knows everything about Spider-Man. Scott from King's is uh, the friendliest person you will, you will talk to at King's Comics. Like, ever. No any apologies human. to anyone else that works no, at Kings because they but know. we're all grumpy jokes. They know. <laughs> um, and Scott is notorious for being the nicest dude in the universe. Even he was like, I 
don't know what universe this is supposed to be set in because this is like a sequel to some original Spider-Man comic. That in was which- part of Secret Worlds, the Battle World um, mini. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, well, that's that explains why we're all so confused because this is a universe in which it's like. Spider-Man, and then MJ also has powers, and then they have a daughter together who also has powers. Right. Um, and so it was just a lot of, like, what? I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. Um, and it ends, yeah. And also his daughter's heaps annoying. She cries, like, three times in the book. Anime is not that cool. Well, that's what daughters do. They're just a bunch of big crybabies. Mine's three months old, so it's fine. So she, she is a big crybaby. Um, I'm, not being should- gen- I'm, not, I'm not really generalizing. I'm just talking about the only daughter that I know. <laughs> Um, but it, like I mean, it was it was semi enjoyable, but it was just that real like confusion. Like it was more confusing than it needed to be, and it wasn't. It didn't pay off. There was a pretty cute. Um, there's a couple of cute little stories in the back, like the Ernest Adventures of Spider Dad, which is just about you know Peter hanging out with his daughter and that kind of stuff. And Kate Leth also has a little book in the back, um, which is like MJ and the daughter hanging out, which was pretty cute. Is that Margaret Savage or not? Yeah, it is. Yeah, which was really lovely. lovely. Yep. Um, and it's probably more enjoyable than the main Spider-Man book right now, I reckon. But it was still, it still was that moment of like, I don't understand what this is. And if the staff members of a comic book store can't figure it out, sure. maybe you should have thought this through a little <laughs> bit better, guys. I guess, I guess spider books just sell no matter what, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. More they or less. Do. Unless they're point one on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I won't be reading that. But do you think it's them trying to uh, kind of do what... DC Dream Infinity 2 with bringing the old Superman back? I don't think so because it's not set in the main universe. This yeah. is just a totally just alternate story. DC and Marvel are just like, fuck it, let's just do whatever the hell we want with this yeah. book. And just, not, I mean, you know, they've got Spider Gwen. Yeah, totally. Which was, oh my God, brought a very confusing element to another book that we're talking about later on in the in the episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Spider, the, the, the clone conspiracy issue number two. I maybe forgot to read. That's coming up later. I'll, I'll complain about that for you later. Excellent. First, let's talk about DC number ones that came out this week. We got two of them. One of them, neither of them really are proper DC books. One of them is a young animal book. Mm-hmm. The other is an, a, a collaboration between IDW and DC. Mm-hmm. Did you read that one? No. Uh, I'll talk about that one quickly, very quickly, very first. Um, Batman and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures. So mm-hmm. this is a coming together of Batman the Animated Series and the latest kind of incarnation of um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adventures or whatever the cartoon is Um, and this is like it feels like really really a lot like the um, Ty Templeton style um, Mm -hmm. Batman Adventures comics which I loved you loved too Mm -hmm. Um, it's very light it's all of the basics of Batman are here Mm -hmm. all the basics of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the cartoons are here this was just super fun and you know a perfect comic to give to a kid that loves both of those properties that hasn't really gotten into comics yet. It's really well plotted um, and incredible art. It's yeah, written the by, art's um, super cute. Yeah, it's it's you know it looks like the cartoon. It's written by Matthew K. Manning and artist is uh, John Samariva. It's not gra- it's not breaking any anything new. Like you know, mm. it, it's just what would happen if like they've already they did a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman crossover earlier in the year. Unfortunately, I didn't read it, but it got great great reviews across the board. I think it was quite a popular series. Yeah, I didn't read it because popular. it was sold out by the time I came in to pick it up. Bless you. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. god, um, nostalgia makes me sneeze. Um, but uh, look, this was this was just a really really fun book. It's got um, two faces in it, which is a great way to get me on board. Clayface is in it. Yeah, um, you have Krang um, is in it. They've got uh, foot soldiers are in it. Um, and uh, at the end, spoiler alert, Joker and Harley Quinn show up. But it's the classic iteration oh of God. Harley Quinn. She looks 
you know, like she's in there and she's in a red and black outfit and, and Joker's got a, a, fl- a squirty flower. She's got so much clothing on. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's great. And so the, the, the cover of the next one is like um, Harley Quinn with doll versions of all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and Bat Family. Um, yeah, this is a really fun crossover. Yeah, cool. I, I'm not sure why they keep allowing their franchises to cross over. Maybe because it makes heaps of money. I but, would uh, say so. <laughs> I'm going to read issue no, number two of this. It's, it's really, really sweet and fun. Nice. But Mother Panic. Yeah. Written by Jodie Hauser with art by um, the incredible Tommy Lee Edwards. Oh, I didn't even see. I wouldn't even check the cover to see who it was. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so like um, it feels a lot more like pencil-y than yes. his stuff usually is, Especially but it works it so so well. Other. The other young young animals. Absolutely, stuff. absolutely. Um, this has like more of a '90s Vertigo vibe, I would say. Definitely, um, probably because of Tommy Lee. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was the most surprised I was while reading this is at one point because it's, this, this, these young animal books are actually set in current DC continuity. They're yeah, that is their own little weird corner. Totally. But this is set in Gotham, mm-hmm. um, and is very aware of the presence of Batman. And yeah. in fact, the the main character in this at one point says, "Fuck the bat." Yeah, it was Straight awesome. Up, I've, I've never thought I would see those words print, printed out in a DC comic. I know, book. right? I think one of like there is there is a lot to love about this comic. I really really enjoyed it. One of the things I really enjoyed was you very rarely see creative speech bubbles, but when um when Mother Panic is in costume, she has these like awesome like sort of shadowed red um speech bubbles which make me feel like her she like it just adds this extra sort of layer and it, for the first time in ages I actually found myself thinking about like what she would sound like and I never really think about that in terms of I do with superheroes. Um, uh, and I'll bring it up again when we talk about Power Man and Iron Fist. I love um uh what's it? Tombstone? Tombstone yeah, has like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his speech bubbles look the same shape and everything except the colour is muted. Yeah. So it's just grey, so you imagine that he's whispering. Yeah, um, that is clever. And then uh, you know, even like Iron Man, the the you know, the yellow kind of sharp mm-hmm. edged bubbles. Yeah. Marvel will do a lot more creative stuff than DC when it comes to speech bubbles, but yeah. Um so the the the, the plot of this, please tell me. <laughs> so um Thank goodness they have all these like things in the back to explain all of the young animals books to you. But basically this is about a young woman whose name is Violet Page and she's sort of a like Kardashian-esque celeb. Like she's famous just for being rich and famous. Mm-hmm. And her father died in mysterious circumstances and she disappeared to an elite boarding school for a couple of years and now is back in Gotham um, and causing causing mischief it looks like she had i i think that that's supposed to be kate kane that it looks like she had a bit of a relationship with oh right i think that was supposed to be that woman i'm assuming because they're at some sort of gala in gotham and she's got short her red yep. hair that I, was my I did not pick that up that's my sneaky um assumption and there is a criminal art world yes um as in criminals who who use the blood of their victims to make art and sell it on in an underground art market um, so yeah, there there is a lot of uh, gruesome, weird stuff. Yeah. In this, but at its heart, it is like a vigilante kind of story. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, I mean, all of these first issues have been quite vague. This is maybe the least vague of the Doom Patrol. Yeah. Sorry, of the uh, Young Animal books. This definitely so far. feels like the most traditional superhero book of all of them so far. Like she's so far the only vigilante that we've seen, right? Yeah. Well, this is yeah, probably the only superhero book so yeah. far. All the others are just kind of like weird superpowered beings or a collection of people that at one at one point have been heroic. Yeah, and she's like she is completely like neutral so far. Like she has she's not quite a good guy, she's not quite a bad guy, she's just self interested. And like 
in in achieving whatever she wants to achieve. And God, her costume is so cool. The Mother Panic costume and her sweet glider, I think, is such an awesome character design. Yep. I think it looks really sick. I'm on board. I love it. Um, that's a four from four for the Young Animal um, initial lineup. Yeah. Do you want to rate them? Because I would probably put Shade the Changing Girl at number one. Shade Changing Girl. For me, it's Shade the Changing Girl, then Mother Panic, then Doom Patrol, then probably Cape Carson. Yeah, Cape Carson's at the bottom for me. I might, after this week's issue, I might put Doom Patrol number two. I really love that issue. Yeah. And we're going to discuss that at length. Absolutely. Uh, she must have got some problems with it, and I actually understand them <laughs> for once. Oh, my God. Um, let's talk about Boom, because Boom put out three books this week. Um, maybe even four. Uh, no, three. Three. Uh, so, the first thing I'm going to talk about, and this is, uh, there are a couple books that uh, that Siobhan didn't read. There's a lot of books that I didn't read this week, but there's a mm. couple that really surprised me Siobhan didn't read. Uh, you might not be surprised that she didn't read this. It is uh, WWE, the wrestling, uh, World Worldwide Wrestling Enterprise. Is that what he stands for? Yeah. I actually have no idea. I'm not a wrestling guy. It's called Then, Now, Forever, number one. Um so it is a wrestling comic. Mm-hmm. This is an anthology about wrestling. I do not and never have given a shit about wrestling. <laughs> Although a lot of people have told me, Angus, who I co-host Hey uh-huh. Fam with my other podcast, he just got into wrestling in the last year because he says it is like watching comic it's, books. Yeah, it is. Like I, I'm not a wrestling person. I don't necessarily see the appeal but there have been a couple of things that i've read or listened to that have made me much more interested because it is like this ongoing story that they're telling and there are different types of characters and the most interesting things and like it's a little bit the same in comics is when you sort of um the line between what is truth and what is fiction is crossed and that's quite interesting to me and I find the sort of backstory behind wrestling quite interesting but I just didn't think that a WWE comic would be for me so the creative team on the main story of this is uh, Dennis Hopeless wrote it mm-hmm. um, and Dennis Hopeless of course we love month to month on Spider-Woman um, and he's done a lot of uh, stuff uh, what was the one that we really loved uh, Avengers Arena oh yep yeah yeah um, and uh it was written, drawn by um, Dan Mora, uh, drawn and, yeah, and illustrated by Dan Mora, who did the art on Claws. Which, by the way, just quickly, that um, if you find a copy of that hardcover, which was released last week, buy it because it is already out of print. Oh, wow. That's insane. Yeah. It's gone. Is it gone? It's we still out. got a couple of copies on the shelf at Kings. Buy one today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this uh, this incredibly weird book that I was not expecting to like at all. Actually, I kind of thought I would because mm. I love Dan Mora and there's a, there's a, there's a picture of Seth Rollins um, who is apparently a wrestler <laughs> on the front cover of this book. And the main, main story is about him and his wrestler bros, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, um, who are like, they kind of introduce them on the ring. And this is kind of, the, it's narrated by Seth, Seth Rollins. And he kind of explains where he's at and how proud he is to be at the, the party. He's like, you know, one of the, he, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's the architect of the single greatest faction in the history of WWE. Whoa, says. huge. Um, and so it has him on stage. Then it cuts to last week when him and those two wrestlers were we're having a barbecue on top of a Mack truck. Awesome. Um, and cooking steaks. And then one of them kicks the... Bu- um, Seth Rollins was meant to organize the potato salad, but he forgot. So um, uh, Dean Ambrose kicks the, the barbecue off the truck and then jumps in the truck and drives off while the other two wrestlers are on top and they fall off the truck. What? And it's then they go to a party and they get chased by these other wrestlers. That, that, that <laughs> and, and it is this ridiculous... Super fun, yeah. Story that kind of leads to um, Seth Rollins betraying his wrestler bros, and he's oh going to go God. like it is so well drawn. Yeah, I mean, Dan Moore is amazing. Dan Moore draws a, a sexy man. Yeah, like 
Absolutely. Like an absolute, like, hunky man with, like, a he, gorgeous face and a facial hair. He, Nicola Scott... And oh my God. like, yeah, yeah. There were, this is a good week for shirtless dudes in comics. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, and I just, th- this was just such a fascinating book mm. about something I didn't think I would ever care about. Yeah. Um, it's a prelude to an ongoing series called WWE, which is starting in January. Um, and it looks like Dennis Hopeless and Dan Moore are going to do this ongoing Seth Rollins story. Awesome. Well, I might have to check that out then. But the supplementary material in this anthology include Rob Gilroy, um, who is the artist on Chew, drawing a comic that was written by Ross um, Thibodeau, hmm. um, Thibodeau, Perfect. I don't know what his name, um, about the uh, the New Days, which is a trio of, um, of three black wrestlers, which was really goofy and fun. It's about them um, trying to run a... Um, like a, a, a camp, like they're trying to be camp counselors, awesome. and then someone steals all the joy from the world. So then they get in a time machine to try and go back to when it all began, um, to to find joy in, in the world again. And um, what? So they, uh, it, it, it's a to be continued story. So I guess this is going to be the regular backup in the WWE book. Um, and they go back to when a guy is about to wrestle a um a dinosaur. <laughs> so I don't know. This is like so it's like nutty and then weirdly heartfelt at the start. And then there's a brilliant comic that's written and illustrated by Rob um Schamberger. Um good and, name. Yeah, and that is uh the story of um a young girl who uh, grew up to become Sasha Banks, who was a female wrestler. Ah. Um seeing Randy Orton Orton on the on the television. These are just names to me. I don't know. I mean yeah. if you listen to wrestling if you watch wrestling, maybe this means something more to you than it does to me. But she's influenced um inspired by a wrestler and then she goes on to be like, you know, the greatest female wrestler now and and then it it ends with another young girl seeing her saying, I wanna do that. And then it says, instead of saying the end, it says forever. Ah. It's just like, there's lots of cute little moments. And then there's a brilliant thing about some fucking wrestler called Tugboat. Awesome. But they've drawn it to look like a a Popeye comic. Yeah, that looks like the best. And it's like this just two-pager, cute little all-ages story. Like, this comic... If you love wrestling, this this seems like an amazing comic. If you just love good comics, this is is a good comic. Yeah, totally. This is the biggest surprise of the week for me. And then it ends with a bunch of, like, one-pages that were part of a... um, uh, San Diego Comic Con exclusive that cool. so they put them in here and they're just like one pages about the wrestlers whose names I actually know Triple H John Cena Sasha Banks um, Steve Austin The Rock um, and they're just I love The Rock really well well written The Undertaker's in there it's just it's really really cool I, awesome. I, I was not expecting to like this book and I really really liked it and I, like I said I have to reiterate I've never yeah, had yeah, any yeah. interest in wrestling um, but if it's just going to be like these weird stories, which is like the behind the scenes, totally. the made up stories that, that make up what these wrestlers' characters are, that's so fun and appealing because in a way, they are the closest thing that the real world has to superheroes. Absolutely. Well, they do anything heroic just as they punch the shit out of each other every week. Isn't that what superheroes do? <laughs> so yeah, this is I'm on board for this series. Awesome. And I definitely think you would really like this too, Sean. Yeah, I better check it out. Uh, Steve Orlando... Um, wrote a new book, a four-part series for Boom. Uh, we got the first issue of it uh, with Jacob Rebelka on art. This book is called Namesake. Again, Siobhan, what is this comic about? Oh, God, I'm trying to remember as I flick through it. It's like, um, it's definitely some kind of dystopian alternate future, right? Yep, correct. And then um, there's some portals or something? It's in Connecticut, and there's another world that is in contact with us, and... They their world has magic, but you can portal between both worlds, and there's kind of like a war going on between the people that live from that world on our world, and then there's like at the heart of it is a police guy who has a bigger connection to their world than the rest of the other humans, but and he has a shady past with his parents who are magicians or some shit. There's a lot to take in. It's a very high concept book. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think the thing that stood out for me most is that it is good world building. Yes. You know, like it uh, it was strong like that and I quite enjoyed the art. And I was like, it took a while for me 
to get into the book. Like, I wasn't grabbed on the first page, but by the end, I was like, oh, yeah. This yeah. is quite compelling. So, he builds the current state of the world, like our world, with this with these magic elements in it so strongly that by the time that you get to the end, and spoilers, he, he goes to the mm-hmm. other world. I was like, I don't care about that world now because I'm actually you've got me way more invested in what Earth is like. Yeah. Um, I'm still going to read issue t- a second issue of this. I think it warrants another, another, another issue. I agree. Um, but look, I, I, I'm... I'm I'm a little hooked. I'm not I'm not all the way hooked yet. Yeah, it's not it's not an essential read, but um, if you like sort of, I mean, I guess it's a little bit further than magical realism, straight into like fantasy. But um, I thought it was just good fun, and it's a you know like um, I assume that the lead character is a gay man, which is um, always nice to see and handled really like subtly and cleverly. Oh wait, and so his roommate was a was a dude or? A- I thought it was a dude. Yeah, cool. I assumed it was a dude. Their name is Sid, so I guess uh, that uh, seems like a dude's name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that was I thought that was nice, nicely done. Um, another Boom comic came out through Kaboom, their kids all ages imprint, which I do not understand why Siobhan doesn't just subscribe to everything Kaboom does. Because <laughs> I'm an adult, I'm an adult lady. This book is called Mega Princess. Like, it was written no. by Kelly Thompson, who was one of the uh, uh, creators who kind of revamped Batgirl. Um, oh yeah, alongside Brendan Fletcher and Babs Tarr. Mm-hmm. Is that the three? The, the three of them? No, I don't think so. Let me all Google. Right. Kelly, Kelly Kelly Thompson. She did a, an Adventure Time story uh, in their, their last uh, anthology that uh, Adventure Time put out. Um, but uh, Kelly Thompson wrote this book. It was illustrated by Brienne Drohard. Um, and this is about a young princess who, on her birthday... Um, oh, she's done like the German Holograms comic and stuff like that. Right. Okay, sure. I thought she did uh, Batgirl. There you go. I got it wrong, y'all. Um, who's the third person that did Batgirl with Brendan Fletcher and Bab Starr then? Uh, what's his name? Artist, writer, uh, Cameron Stewart. Cameron Stewart. Okay, you're right. My bad, y'all. But she's worked on um, Star Wars. She's worked on Lumber Janes. That Mighty Morphin Power Rangers pink comic that we talked about. Oh, yeah. I really, yeah, that's what I know her from. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. She's done a lot of good stuff. Um, This book is about a young princess who, on her birthday, is visited by her fairy godmother. And her fairy godmother, like, she's, she's going to grant her powers. And so this, you know, quite tomboyish young princess is very excited. Like, well, am I going to have super strength? Am I going to be able to fly? She wants to be a detective. So awesome. she wants to use his powers to be a detective. And uh, the godmother grants her the power of of uh, of fairies. Uh, sorry, not fairies. Of, she, gets, she has the powers of princesses everywhere. <laughs> so that means that she can now talk to animals. It awesome. means she can feel a pee beneath 20 mattresses. <laughs> Everything that you associate with princes and princesses. And so she sees that as, as very lame. Mm. However, she is like a, quite a creative princess. She makes like armor for her horse awesome. out of boxes, for her, and, but then still loses the race. But it means her creations turn real. And so her, her, her pony can now fly. And then uh, this ends with, um, as you progress in this book, the world kind of gets more and more magical. There are like, it's like a tiny kingdom and um, the princess's young brother, the prince of the, of the kingdom gets gets kidnapped. And so it, it now becomes a, a, a detective story between a flying talking pony and awesome. uh, a young princess who wants to be a detective. I think the thing that um, most stands out for me just looking at this is it seems like heaps more happens in this comic than you would normally find in an all ages book oh so much this took a while to read yeah whereas um which is awesome because yeah. sometimes you feel like you are not getting enough um enough pages for your, totally. your dollars even with like you know licensed comics like like the rick and morty comics you yeah. can read them in like a, a couple minutes even a comic that i loved this week um space battle lunchtime mm. I, I love that mate i think part of the reason i love it is because i can read it so quickly yeah yeah, yeah. Such a but then I, I can reread read. it again and again because the art's so good yeah um, so yeah, Mega Princess number one of five. Again, like you know, I, I love all ages comics because they are such such a stark difference to all of the gritty and you know 
rehashed superhero stuff that we mm-hmm. read all the time. Um, this was really, really fun and cool and um, had some really good jokes in it too. So I highly recommend Mega Princess uh, for younger readers or people who just like all ages comics like me. Yeah, awesome. And Shiver One. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes? What all ages comics don't you like? Um, oh, man. One talk to Brandon Graham and you're just porno, porno, porno. It's all I care about these days, guys. That's a good uh, chance for us to plug a bonus <laughs> episode that went up over the weekend. It was uh, Siobhan's interview with uh, comic creator Brandon, Brandon Graham, a, yep. a favorite of ours who is one of the um, editors and uh, co-owners of The Island mm-hmm. anthology that comes out through Image each month. Plus, um, one of he was the writer of Profit from Image and uh, he wrote and drew King City and Multiply Multiple Warheads. Yep. Is it multiple warheads or multiple? Multiple warheads. Okay. Um, and uh, you got to speak to him as part of yeah. the graphic festival. It was so fun. Um, so he was flown out to Sydney to talk at the Opera House um, for graphic festival, which is an awesome thing, um, which we also did a bonus episode chatting to the uh, organizers of that. Jordan um, and Ben. Jordan and Ben. Awesome guys. Another bonus episode in the feed. Just go, go download it. Um, but it was super fun talking to him. He was incredibly, like, so nice like everyone I know who met him that day was like oh my god he's the nicest guy um, and was really really kind and answered my questions very very intelligently and um, it was a really really fun conversation so awesome it, was, it was a fun one to edit and listen to as well oh, thanks, um, so yeah go, to, go download that download that um, is the easiest way to get the direct downloads and, uh, and download links to all the episodes nice. uh, Image this week put out a new book called Violent Love written by Frank J. Barbier and Victor Santos an extreme tale of love and revenge. And I love that on the front cover it says crime slash romance. Like it's telling you up front what this book is genre-wise. So this is at its core a um, Bonnie, and Star- Bo- Bonnie and Clyde style tragic romance. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is kind of told by an older man to his seemingly kind of like bored granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's told in 1987, but the events of the story were set... The original story was 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 set in uh, 1969 in, in California, California. Um, and this was just delightful. Yeah, like, really brilliant. charming crime story where you know you can kind of see the events that lead to um, the main character t- turning to a life of crime kind of pan out as they happen, but it was still really well well told and well drawn. Absolutely. So the main the lead character is a woman called Daisy and you know, she is going to meet a man at some point and they are going to go on a crime spree, but we haven't met him yet. And I love that. I love that we got to focus on Daisy's backstory first and we see this, you know, super intelligent girl stuck in a small town mm. um whose life has been like completely impacted by organized crime. Um and so you can kind of see where it's going. And man, this is like Brutal, like brutally violent, um, really shocking in some parts, but so so beautifully drawn. So like beautifully Victor Santos drawn. does such an incredible job, and it does that amazing thing where it really feels like a genre comic. Like this, it, it's recognizable, like the Bonnie and Clyde sort of trope and stuff like that. But it still manages to be like fresh and different and interesting. And well, I mean, it's it's a noir story that yeah. is not told using any noir tropes. At yeah, all. The, it's colorful um, and uh, and vibrant mm-hmm. and like just the, the big big text as they announce things and mm-hmm. like yeah there are there are shadowy bits but it's not like real played out noir stuff that you see in, in comics all the time it's great yeah it's a really really great book i'm this is probably my favorite number one of the week i think uh yeah up there, up there. E- equal equal first with um one that um i wanted to talk about specifically called terminarch i didn't um, get this one yeah i'm so sorry i should put this one aside for you but this is one that jim pushed into my hands 
read this because I think you'll like it. And it's so what I'm into at the moment. Um, so this is a... Porno comic. This is a porno comic <laughs> about androids. No, it is a comic <laughs> about androids, but it's got no porn in it. I'm sorry. Um, it is about... so. Humans create androids, and androids immediately overtake us intellectually. They immediately are way smarter than us. But they're okay with their place in society. They're fine with that. Until they realize that the only thing that humans can do better than them is create art. So they kill every single human on Earth except for the artists, and they elevate them to the level of gods. But because, So to Whoa. deal... like the, the problem is that all the artists go like, whoa, you've just killed all of our friends and family. And so 50% of them commit suicide. So then the remaining artists are split into a small group who go like, hey, this is awesome. We're gods. This is great. And then the rest become these kind of cool art terrorists. And then there is a guy who has been living off the grid for 30 years because he um, committed a terrible crime and had to escape. And he is the only remaining non-artist human, and he has to lead them to victory against the androids. Oh, my God. Like, this is such a brilliant concept. So, so well told. by um, Written by Jordan Hart with brilliant art by Terry Huddleston, who I'd never seen before. Um, this is such, such a good book. And I'm really, um, I'm really pushing it because this is a one-shot. This was all they could. Um, this is all they've created so far, and all they've been able to put out. But if you contact Awesome Comics, O S S M Comics, and if this sells well enough, we hopefully will be able to get more of this series because I loved this. I thought this was so so fun. Terminarch. Terminarch. Check Number it one. out, guys. I'm stealing it immediately. Yeah, absolutely. To tonight. Looks great. The cover's nice and green. Yep. Try and get it at your local comic shop. And it's a it's a big issue. It's like a nice. It's like um got a spine and everything. And I yeah. Really, really brilliant. Yeah. Amazing. One of the most like compelling issue ones I've read in a long time. It's cool how many comics there are using art as such a big, like, you know, the, yeah. the concept of art. Like we had the Electric Sublime Absolutely. book a few weeks ago and then um, in uh, Mother Panic. Yeah. Um, you know, art. Yeah, I, I love the idea of having art as like, you know, such a big part of society, which it is, but like this weird cultish part of society. Yeah. Totally. Heaps really, fun. Really great. Um, so finally, um, I read a book by Peter Milligan and uh, Ronaldson Frieri. On um, on art, this is uh, the Mummy Palimpsest, mm. um, and you know how um, the Universal Studios are doing a big monster right. franchise. I yep. think this because you know Titan does so many um, tie-ins. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if this is, this is directly linked or yeah, it feels like it is. Uh, so the there's the big kind of um, com- combined universe, shared universe of monsters that's about to um, terrorize the big screen very soon. And uh, Tom Cruise is in it. Russell Crowe is in it as various monsters or monster hunters. But the mummy is a lady. Oh, cool. Um, And uh, so this is a a story of a a woman being turned into a mummy. And uh, it involves like... She's she kind of gets she's an illegal immigrant that get, tries to get they try to sell her into prostitution, um, and then she becomes a mummy for some reason. It's a piece of shit book, but yeah. uh, and I really wanted to like it more, but uh, I didn't. Yeah. Peter Milligan is the most like he has more misses than hits for me. He's written yeah. a few things that I absolutely loved, but I feel like every comic that I've read of his in the last, I mean, I know you liked Odessia or whatever it was, the one that he put out through Valiant a few weeks ago about the, the real sexy one in, in ancient Rome. Britannia? Britannia. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I still like that one. I did not like that Issue 3 is coming out this week. Um, um, but yes, I understand that. And it's also like how frustrating to be like, look, we've taken this male character and recreated her as a woman and then still put a weird sexual assault oh, and like stuff like that in her origin and then, like, story. She like binds herself 
to the point where like she just she has wicked boobs. <laughs> <laughs> like you know awesome. she still she still has bandages all over. It's just it's so unnecessarily sexy. I don't know. Just yeah. be a fucking mummy. Like, yeah, like, like be male, scary, be the gross. The male mummy is not a, a, a person that any any man or woman wants to fuck. Yeah, it's the like- fundamental <laughs> problem with like the Xenoscope books where they take like all these sort of like you know characters that could be icky like a like a zombie or something but she's still got mad titties yeah. and like you still want to fuck her and it's just like <laughs> for, like let let women be gross sometimes right. just let women be disgusting because yeah. they are we are like just as if not more disgusting than men <laughs> and there's not enough that expresses that more comments. gross women book comics please that's, that's all we need Please, thank you. So those are the number one issues. That is our segment, First Things First. Um, we're going to play the most beloved segment of Oh, my of God. Can't issues. wait. Holy Heads moly. or tails for Marvel uh, and DC. Which, which one's Marvel, Siobhan? Heads or tails? Marvel is tails. Tails it is. Yeah, it's so, kangaroo yeah. tail, so in yeah. the tails time. It's a dollar, dollar coin for our, uh, our non-Australian listeners. Um, so we got a quite, actually, quite a small amount of comics from Marvel this week, which yeah, I, I mean, I was expecting cause I didn't read everything, but I feel like we've got the same amount of, yeah, Marvel. I only had like, I have just realized, I think I accidentally only read two Marvel comics. Oh, wow, well, well done. <laughs> I just forgot to read Power Man and Iron Fist. <laughs> oh, you didn't read Power Man and Iron Fist? No. Nah. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is a good one to start with. Um, cause this is, uh, it was announced at Comic-Con that they were going to bring Alex Winter from the Runaways. Oh. <sighs> So he was the shadowy figure in the last few um, uh, issues of, um, God, of Power Man this. and Iron Fist. This comic is worth picking up. It's it's a it's a new it's a new starting point of a new story called Harlem Burns. Um, so if you haven't read any of the issues, I mean, you should just pick it up from the start. But if you haven't, you can pick this up and, and still get straight into the story. Mm-hmm. There's a it, it, there's a lot going on in this book, but there's so many characters. But it does a pretty good job of explaining who they are. How and then their connection to Power Man and Iron Fist. Um, there's a lot. There's like you know bad guys returning. There are reformed bad guys. There are good guys turning bad. And Stanford Green, the artist on this, of course, written by um, David F. Walker, who we love as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Stanford Green basically draws like all of our favorite Marvel characters. Yeah, at one point. that's that, that, such a fun that, splash that page. trope of like you know being late for a meeting, opening the door, and then it's just full of the half the Marvel universe. Um, it's you know there's no real reason for them all to be here, but uh, it's hell amazing yeah, they to are. see Stanford Green doing his take on like Laura, like X twenty three as Wolverine and and Ms Marvel, um, even Doctor Strange, like and Black Panther. There's so many great. I mean, he's such a unique artist. Yeah, absolutely. And he he draws the hell out of these characters. Yeah, I want to see him do a Black Panther book. Yeah, or um, a Miles Morales Spidey book. So basically, the new thing now is I don't know if you remember uh, in the last arc, um, they learned that there was a. Um, some shadowy figures that were able to manipulate people's, um, like basically, like trick a computer system that that tricked that made up people's criminal past. Oh, uh, right. Okay. And, and so it could label someone a criminal even if they had no criminal background whatsoever. And so, Power Man and Iron Fist are basically trying to track down the people that 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 are behind this, and also track down anyone who's been wrongly accused and clear their names, no matter. How how hard it is. So that's cool. kind of what what their what their role in in the world is now. So they kind of announced that to the superhero team. I mean, they could probably could have just been an email, but it's better <laughs> that they assembled everybody in the same room because you know it's good to see everyone drawn. Uh, there's a lot going on in this. Black Cat's the main character now. Tombstone's the main character now, um, and uh, Alex Winter from um, oh, from Runaways. That is a great final page yeah. and final page reveal of Alex Winter. Um, that's yeah, sick. it's excellent. I mean, they, he's, this is a great book and. 
you know, I, I know it's not selling fantastically, but I hopefully, you know, in the same vein of Black Panther, like, you know, it's clear that mm. there's a, something brilliant going on there. They wouldn't, they wouldn't cancel two of David Walker's books, would they? Don't do it. Don't do it, Marvel. I'll be, I'll Please. be, I'll be truly disappointed when this. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When this uh, comic ends, because yeah. it's unbelievably good. It is fun. Yeah. Um, what did you read, mate? But then I just <laughs> I read Captain America, Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers Captain America. Yep, by um, uh, Nick Spencer and Jesus Sayas. Um, this continues the Hydra Cap story that everyone was so upset about for a while, and now no one gives a fuck about. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy how that happens. Um, so this is kind of like furthering the like but rewriting Cap to Captain America's history mm-hmm. as a as a Hydra Hydra sleeper agent. Yep. Um, so we see some stories of his upbringing, and we learn that uh, he had a, a friend when he was younger, and that friend was Baron Zemo. Like Baron Zemo is new Bucky. Yeah. That's heaps better. <laughs> I hope they still have all that gay tension. Um, I there's, there's a lot of world building here, and kind of explaining what Red Skull's motives are. Mm. Um, I found this episode, this issue like a bit of a slog, but I know that they're working towards something massive. I feel like that's I, that after Avenge after Inc. Inhumans versus X Men, I think the big event is like the the coming together of this big Hydra Captain America story. So okay, he's called like Hydra Wars or something lame like that. But excellent. So you, that, I think Nick Spence is writing the big the big event of next year, right? Which I look forward to complaining about with you I week after week I on serious can't issues. Wait, <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I mean, this was this is fine. I think Jesus says is really good. Jesus says, sorry. Um, there was a couple of moments that kind of made me laugh. I suppose like the bit when Red Skull starts laughing, he goes, "Camille, you slay me." That really made me laugh. Um, I, for such an evil, despicable character, I actually love reading Red Skull. Yeah, totally. There's a comic book store in the states called Red Skull Comics, and I asked Yikes. someone who worked there once. I was like, "Why would you? Why would you name that?" And she was like, "I know it's a problem. We're changing it." <laughs> <laughs> we just realized this is fucked. <laughs> it was the owners. <laughs> He's an older dude. Um, but yeah, pretty funny. Uh, yeah, look, I th- uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's a fine comic. 
Uh, Uncanny Avengers number 16 by Jerry Duggan and um, what's his Loraz's first name? Pepe. Pepe Loraz. Oh, that's such a good name. No, no, that's a great, great name. And he's a great artist too. This is uh, the like just super fun. I, I know I said that how much I liked the madness of New Avengers, but this is as mad. Mm. He's got like um, Sebastian Shaw fighting from, from the uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants fighting oh, awesome. alongside. Um, no, he's not from the Brotherhood. He's from, um, what's he from again? Sebastian saw from uh, um, from Hellfire Club, Club. Um, fighting alongside Cable. <laughs> that sexy fetish club that mutants go to. <laughs> um, fighting alongside Cable and the um, Uncanny Avengers and Elektra, trying to take down the the Hulk. Uh, Bruce Ooh. Banner has been brought back to life by the hand, what? just like Elektra and Wolverine happened. I mean, it's just trading familiar ground, but it's so much fun. And yeah, it just, totally. you could, Again, you just you just rocket through this book, and you know, there's cool brother voodoo moments. There are cool, there's like funny Quicksilver moments, good Deadpool moments. Uh, he's doing a great job of balancing all these characters, and this is probably like you know one of the stronger Avengers books. I like it more than Champions. I like it more than Avengers. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it's still really good. I, I think. It, I think it's. I'm not sure how much longer they're going to continue this run for, but it's a good one. Mm, I like that cover too. You read Mosaic number two. I did read Mosaic t- number two. Was it better than the first one? Um, I mean, I sort of feel like I was just trying to think of how much actually happened in this book. Not, not much in this issue. I mean, it's sort of all about this new uh, Morris, who is Mosaic, kind of figuring out how to use his powers, and it's all still slightly confusing like he he doesn't seem to have a physical form but people and people can't really see him but he can jump into bodies and then he sort of maintains uh or like like rogue he keeps the memories and the knowledge of those people so that's quite cool that's quite a different take on the sort of body snatcher power set i suppose um it's written by someone whose background is in animation and ah. the first issue really felt like i was watching i was reading a cartoon right okay yeah so i and i felt like it would have actually been way better as a cartoon than it would a comic Does it, has he, did you kind of get that vibe reading this one or not so much i mean i think it works totally well as a comic it definitely has like a lot of um movement to it i suppose mm-hmm. uh but i don't think i don't think it it read especially like an animation or um negatively in any way i i like this character i am interested to see where it goes with this okay cool. you know like it was a bit it felt like a little bit of an in-between issue which is crazy for an issue too <laughs> but um i'm still down i still think it's good fun did luke is luke did i see luke cage's face in there is he in there? Is uh, it, nope. No. Okay, cool. No, I don't think so. Another character, another bald guy with a beard yelling at the television. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> uh, it is fun because it's also like a Marvel superhero book that is so far completely disconnected from continuity, which is super fun. Yeah. Except for the fact that he's an inhuman, but fine. Fine. It's fine. It's all fine. That's your that's your um, catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dead No More, The Clone Conspiracy, number two is the big Spider-Man event. I don't know why I forgot to read this. <laughs> um. This is written by Dan Slott with art by um, Jim Chung. And uh, this is just a really beautiful drawn mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Jackal is not created clones. These are duplicates of okay. every dead person in uh, in Spider-Man's life. And so you know how... So basically it kind of it's tries... It's, it's the Jackal trying to establish himself as a good guy. Right. By, you know, he knows that, uh, that, that Spider-Man's motto has been no one dies. Mm. And so in order to make the world a better place, he's ridding Spider-Man of, of his guilt by bringing back everyone that's ever died, good or bad, on his watch. Oh. But as we know for the first issue, you have to take this pill mm. every single day or or, you, or your body deteriorates. Mm. So the Jackal kind of has all these people he's brought back on a short leash. Mm. Um, Spider-Gwen swaps bodies with the original Gwen. 
Okay. In this. What? Yeah, like there's a there's a lot to take in. It's a confusing book if you have not read every single Spider-Man related thing in the last little while. But you know, you, I suppose if you have read them all, you need to be rewarded with something, right? Mm, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm just reading this because. But every every single dead Spider-Man character from you know people that have died recently, like the Lizard and even the Lizard's family that he killed, are all back. Oh wow! Um, and uh, so is Uncle Ben shown up yet? Everyone except Uncle Ben. Mm. So obviously they're, they're saving that for you know probably the next issue. Uh, I, you know, Slot's a good writer, but these massive spider events are always like even Spider Island is kind of stupid. Yeah, um, totally. And it just feels like they, they, he tries to make it as big as possible, and he loses sight of an actually good story. Yeah. Um, but if you are a massive Spider-Man fan, there's either something in here that you'll like, or something in here that will offend you to your core. Nice. And, uh, I'm somewhere in the middle, so that's that. Here you go. <laughs> Those are our Marvel reviews. Let's nice. uh, review Heads okay. now. Heads was DC. Head over to the DCU. What do you want to start with, Siobhan? Um, should we start with Wonder Woman just to make ourselves feel nice? Yeah, for sure. I love this so this much. This is so good, guys. Um, Nicola Scott just continues to be... Just a brilliant... Just, I love her. Brilliant artist. And brilliant like, artist. She's the best artist to draw Wonder Woman ever, for me. For me, for me, she's like... It's her and Brian Boland, which I think is some like crazy high yeah. praise, you know? Did Boland only ever do covers, though? I think so, yeah, yeah. but that's enough Those to put him in the book. Those are, are incredible, though, yeah. Um... Man, one thing, like, oh God, Nicholas Scott draws such beautiful, beautiful women, also beautiful men. Oh, incredible. She She's very good at drawing skin and tone. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, And also, like, eyelashes. Yes. I've been trying to, like, get your, get figure your out how to do it. that in real life, but I don't know if it's possible. And but, beautiful eyes, too. Yeah, yeah. And so much, like, um, she reminds me of this manga artist, um, Urasawa, who does things like Master Keaton or Pluto, because she somehow, I don't understand how she does it, but she manages to capture so much emotion and so much varied emotion just in like eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's crazy. Like to be able to look at a panel of a comic and be able to see like fear and awe and wonder and confusion all at the same time in one image of Wonder Woman's eyes, that's bonkers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this the story of this written by Greg Rucker, um, this is the the year one mm-hmm. uh, storyline, uh, which actually I, 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 the most impressive thing about these these two stories, and I guess there's a third story going on with um, the um, origins of um, Barbara Ann, mm-hmm. aka Cheetah, um, happening. I don't, I don't know how regularly those little bonus issues are going to come out, but there's kind of they're telling three stories and they're all completely linked together with this image of a tree, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, this is this is basically the, the the first time that Wonder Woman is allowed out into the regular world with Steve Trevor, Barbara Ann, and um, Etta Candy. Etta Candy, um, and while while they go out and to a, to a shopping mall, um, a terrorist organization um, has an attack with assault rifles, and lots of civilians die, and Wonder Woman and Steve basically save the day. Yeah, um, and you know Wonder Woman can't understand why anyone would bring would turn this turn this this place that she's in to a battleground. Mm-hmm. Um, also. They've been trying to communicate with Wonder Woman this whole time, and they realize that when they hold her lasso, mm-hmm. um, not only do they speak the truth, but they uh, they can understand each other. And there is this brilliant moment where um, Barbara Ann and Etta Candy, while holding the lasso of truth, mm-hmm. uh, say what they really want to say to each other. Mm. And it's this beautiful moment where <clears throat> they say, you know, um, Etta tells Barbara Ann that her father was an ass, <laughs> and... Um, Barbara responds by saying, you have nothing to prove to anyone, Lieutenant Candy. And then it just cuts to this beautiful panel of Steve Trevor looking at Wonder Woman while holding Lasso. And this is just love hearts. I know, that was so cool. It's so good at these sweet moments. But then it immediately goes from that to this awful attack. 
um, has a brilliant action scene of um, Steve, Steve Trevor and um, Wonder Woman teaming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Wonder Woman, it's Wonder Woman that saves the day, but Steve uh, is, is of some assistance. And this is kind of also her, like, developing her powers in the outside world. Like, she's just discovering what she can do. Like, she only just discovers that she can fly in yeah. this um, issue, which is awesome. This is a brilliant, brilliant book. It's easily the best book DC are doing at the I moment. Reckon. Like I think, and I think you know, a year from now we're going to look back at this and like and be like, oh, how lucky to get such an incredible. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten so many good Wonder Woman stories this year. It is amazing. It is such a good time to be a Wonder Woman. Has fan. that um, you know, in the we didn't get to, uh, we didn't get to talk about um the seventy uh, fifth anniversary issue of Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, like, which is a brilliant anthology with so much good in it. But yeah. what I really really loved so much of it was um, there's a little story from um the. The, the, the kind of like third weird Wonder Woman book that came out this year that was written and drawn by the same girl, um, Sue someone. That Jill you, Thompson? Jill Thompson, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, is a, that is such a brilliant Wonder Woman origin story. Like we have had... Is that here? Is uh, that yeah, yeah, we should have okay, it. I think cool. it's called it The True Amazon or something like that. Yeah. But it's like, it is a borderline unpleasant version of Diana. This is like Diana as full-on arrogant, princess and it's not like you don't necessarily like her in it and she makes some horrible mistakes that are really like you feel them strongly but it's brilliant and i love jill thompson i think she's such a talented cartoonist and writer it's not often that you kind of look back at a year in which you celebrate a superhero or you know a a lot of like nintendo for example always like you know it's 25 years of mario or whatever and i'm like oh who gives a shit they haven't really done anything that good but they have celebrated wonder woman in such a perfect way at dc absolutely you have you know you've got this brilliant story that Greg Rucker is, is telling. Um, you've got the Legend of Wonder Woman mm-hmm. book. You've got um, Wonder Woman Earth One that Grant Morrison mm-hmm. did, and then the uh, the the Jill Thompson book mm-hmm. too. Like they're all they all seem like fantastic iterations and completely different iterations of Wonder Woman. So uh, if you're a Wonder Woman fan, it's going to be a good Christmas for you. Absolutely agreed. <laughs> um, should we talk about All Star Batman yeah, let's number do it. four by Scott Snyder and Ramita Jr. on um, the main story, and then uh, Declan Shalvey on art on the, on the backup? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely enjoying the backup more than the uh, main story now. I Same. really, really loved the first few issues of All Star Batman. I'm still enjoying this now, but I'm actually getting a bit irritated by John Ramita Jr. on it. There are certain like sloppy moments in his, especially in his action scenes that. I just like I don't I just wish someone else was drawing it, especially when you. I mean, look, he's just not he's just not my favorite artist. Whereas yeah. Declan Shalvey is you know top ten material for me. So I, yeah, look, I mean, this is definitely like this is the thing that John Romita Jr. has done that I've enjoyed the most in a long time, and I think some of the close up panels he does like incredibly brilliantly, but when it's a big scene, some of the detail gets lost, yeah. um, which is a little bit like, uh, but it's really well colored. And I think that hides a lot of sins. Yeah, totally. And when you get a good close-up of... Um, I love what he's done with Two-Face's... Oh, Two-Face's face looks face. Like, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And especially the close-ups on that and on his eye are so, so cool and so clever. Um, and I think, like, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting story because it's almost like... It's like Two-Face keeps setting himself up. Yeah. Like, it's all sort of what what has Harvey said and what has Two-Face said, which is quite interesting. And I feel like I haven't seen that kind of that done before with Two-Face? Sure. I find that element of it kind of boring. I kind of just wish this was like a ridiculous road trip. Yeah. Um, and it still kind of is, but they keep, you know, there's, there's twists and turns on every other page. And, you know, you have Harvey and you have Two-Face at odds with each other and trying to outdo each other. Mm. But you kind of get lost in that. I just want them to get back on the road and, like, you know, defeat heaps of Bat-villains. Yeah, totally. And now it looks like there's no more Bat-villains. It's just everyone is out to get them in the world. Yeah. Um, not as fun. Mm. 
Um, and I think this is also the finale. That was the end of the Declan Shalvey backup story. But if I'm if I'm not wrong, I feel like I saw him say no, it's ne- next, next, the final um, bit. Right. Well, I think he's also going to be doing some other Batman story soon. Right. Am I wrong? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm excited. This is the backup is really really cool. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna when it's finally over. I think there might be one more because this is the final bet yeah, this yeah, last yeah. one so I right. will read it all in, in one piece and I'm looking forward to it it's, it's doing a lot of good uh, telling backstory for uh, the Duke Thomas character yeah absolutely he doesn't have a superhero name yet does he? I don't think so no. hmm. um, also Zaz is a great bat villain that I, I know he's such a, such a creepy creepy goat creepy um, bro did you read Green, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps? I sure did um, I'm kind of bored of this yeah, you know cool. what you know what like <laughs> The moment I went, ah, you know what? I think I might be done with this book was just the front cover because um, I forget who, I forget what Sinestro's daughter is called. Um, Sounds like a K. Yeah, but she's supposed to be like a doctor and like not, like, (laughs) it's the constant problem with Greenland characters where like she's not supposed to be like super hot character wise, but her costume, it's like got that full on old school Spider Woman like spandex like attached to every crevice of her boob and yeah. it just it's so overly that sexual was, uh, in a way that's by the mummy this week it's he- exactly, like it's heaps distracting and it's really silly i mean um, it, they do have the same I, mean, I feel like everyone in the greenlands has a sexy like ab hugging yeah totally um but yeah there's a i mean vendetti definitely excels at, at showing off every single yeah. crevice and that's his like chest. that's his thing and that's um that's fine and that's fun but it's also like is this the second book this week that you starro as a bad guy like I don't, I don't read the other one, there's, there's, I feel like there's been too many Star Wars stories lately. I guess for me, taste. like it's just it still isn't the Green Lanterns comic that I want. The Space Police romp comic that yeah. I really want there to be. Like they just keep bringing back things that I'm like, oh, I don't care about the Guardians. I don't care about Star Wars. Yeah, totally. I, I'm kind of interested in the fact that um, uh, Bizarro, not Bizarro, sorry, um, uh, Brainiac shows up in this. Yes, book. that was a cool little. That thing. did make me excited because I don't think I've seen Brainiac in a minute, and that's like. Brainiac, Brainiac is one is a, of my favorite villains. Like, I think that's such a cool concept. Um, so yeah, that yeah. was unexpected when he showed up. I was, I mean, and that's enough. I mean, I just kind of this for me now. This is just a book that I that I I've just br- I've just breezed through. I don't yeah. really care what they say and just wait, wait for something to happen. Yeah, totally. I want Kyle Rayner to show up. That's yeah. That's yeah, what, that's, that's all I want. I, I want Kyle to show up. Totally. I want, I want Kyle Rayner to show up in DC, and I want Fantastic Four back at Marvel. Yes, please. Those are my wants for Christmas: Marvel and DC. <laughs> um, you read a few DC comics that I didn't. I did. Shall I go through them real quick? Yeah, take 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 your time. Uh, so, Batman Detective oh, Comics. <laughs> Detective Comics. This starts a new story arc um, called the Victim Syndicate. Um, and it looks like Batwing is now officially part of uh, Detective. Yeah, it looks like it. it. Looks like Batwing is taking the um, Red Robin position, and this is like, uh, yeah, this is sort of another like mysterious figure from Batman's past who's now a bad guy. Right. Because um, the last issue saw like the, the victim syndicate of people that have been affected by like their, their, their physicality has been affected by Batman. And so yes. all these freaks that are coming to get, to get their comeuppance on Batman. Yes. Yeah, so there's like a female clay face and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's also like, there was a fun team up between Batwoman and Renee Montoya a little bit. In this, oh, that's cool. Which was quite cool. It's always fun to see Renee um, show up. Like this, this, this was fine. This was a fine Batman comic. You know what I mean? Sweet. Um, not brilliant. I wish. I wish it had less Batman in it. I wish that this was more the Batwoman book. Yeah. But I guess we are getting a Batwoman book soon, so that's fine. I should have brought up earlier when I was reviewing the Batman and um, TMNT book. Um, at one point, Clayface uh, mimics Michelangelo. 
Good fun. Oh, fun. That yeah. is fun. Um, I also read Back on the Birds of Prey, which is good because it um, this gives like some awesome Helena Bertinelli Huntress, Huntress. Um, backstory, which is good fun. Has it wrapped up the, this storyline yet? I'm really bored of this storyline, which is why I did not prioritize reading this book. Like, are they still after the... Mo- Do we know who who's pretending to be the Oracle yet? No. Oh, hurry it up. So that is... Are there, are there, yeah. And the snake people still in it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I understand. Like, I enjoyed the backstory stuff. I almost kind of just wish this was a Huntress book. I wish we could just have a Huntress book. Yep. Because that was heaps fun. All that stuff's cool. Um, yeah. Not amazing. Not amazing. I want this book to be amazing. I really liked the, the rebirth ah, issue of it. This is the other book that had Starro in it. Starro is also the bad guy in New Superman this That's week. Right. Um, so in this book, we just found out that Keenan Kong, the new Superman, the Superman of China, has um, just discovered that his father is who he thought was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And we find out his history and how his parents were both freedom fighters and his mum became the first ever Chinese superhero um, and then was killed in a plane crash under mysterious circumstances. And so his father became more of an outlaw freedom fighter. A rebel. A rebel. Um but this sees him teaming up with his dad and realizing that maybe the company that he works for who created him aren't necessarily the good guys. Um, and then they all start fighting Starro. Cool. Yeah. It was good. It was all right. It's a good, good fun comic, that one. Yeah. I'll read that one tonight. Um, I also read The Flash. I'm which getting is... bored of this one, too. Yeah. I mean, this introduces, we were laughing about it before, this introduces a Flash villain called Papercut, who <laughs> gives people paper cuts. And then when it, everyone's like, Oh, his powers are just dumb and paper-based. He goes, fools, do you think I can just control paper? I can control all wood. It's like, don't call yourself paper cut then. Call yourself, you know, big wood or something. (laughs) Big Um, wood. (laughs) Jim suggested hardwood, which is way dirtier. Um... (laughs) And this is more. This is all sort of to do with um, the Wally West Flash and him kind of doing the classic, like, oh, the Flash said that I can't be Kid Flash without him there to manage me. But he doesn't know that actually I can be a superhero by myself and then goes and gets himself into trouble. So it's fairly like paint by numbers. Um, And the art is nowhere near as interesting as the regular artist too. Yeah, no, I'm not sure who is on this, but it's pretty, it's some pretty basic. By the numbers, yeah. Yeah, Watanabe. I don't know who that is. Um, But yeah, not, uh, fine. Again, (laughs) it sort of like sucks to say that because that's not really a decent review of anything. But um, it's not bad. Mm -hmm. If you still like The Flash, it's probably worth keeping up with. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it going, fam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bring the rogues. I think I might. I might. I might put the brakes on this comic until the rogues show up again. Mm, Interesting. I will. I will continue. Um, So finally, from DC, we both read the Young Animal book, Doom Patrol number three by Gerard Way, Nick Darrington. I love Nick Darrington. Me too, so much. He's easily the star of this book. Um, Tamara Bond villain on uh, on this book, um, on colors. Sorry, Um, and uh, this basically kind of brought as much of the weird stuff from the first two issues together um, enough for me to go like, oh, I do really like this book. Um, but Siobhan, you have other, other well, thoughts. <laughs> as I was thinking through it, I was like, oh no, yeah, I guess I did enjoy this. It's sort of, um, it's now starting to come together a little bit more, like who this Casey character is. She's Space Case, who was actually in Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Ah, oh, see, I have not finished that yet. So I've still been reading that. Yeah, me neither. And, and But more and more I'm like, oh, I do need to read that yeah. to fully appreciate this because this is actually a... Spe- it's not just a spiritual sequel. It is, this a, is a literal direct sequel, sequel to Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol run. Yeah, um, I mean, all the stuff that um, starts happening with, like, Negative Man and, um, and Danny, that character. Danny, and- who is, who, Danny is a street... 
like a living yeah. street in the in the in Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol run. But in this, we learn that Danny is an entire world in which he can create humanity, and and he actually created this character, Casey. Yeah, who we see. Um, you've also got um, Flex Mentallos in this. Um, we learn more about all the characters. The artwork is phenomenal, especially when when she's in this living town of Danny, she goes to a comic book store and um, and picks up a comic book which kind of tells her origin and Danny's origin. And it's told as like a Golden Age DC book mm-hmm. and then a Silver Age DC book um, and, and, and it mimics the Infinite Crisis cover where Superman dies. Sorry, Supergirl dies. Supergirl dies, yeah. Um, and it's kind of on the cover, but it's told, it's, it's written... The, the, the font makes it makes it look like the the front cover of a comic book. It says, "So I imagine at this point you're having some sort of existential crisis, and that's to be expected." <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing: something. It's just like it's brilliantly. It's 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 the high point of this series so far. Yeah, and it's and it's great storytelling. Which um, just you know, I I get that that if you're a massive fan of the Grant Morrison stuff, this feels like a weird tribute. Yeah, I think that's okay. Um, yeah, uh, I'm wondering. You know, it it still does feel very different, but it's it's you know clearly referencing a lot of things that Grant Morrison did. I just think I think that's such a dangerous thing to do as Gerard Way because chances are it's just not going to be as good. And it would have almost been cooler to see him try and put his own stamp on the Doom Patrol completely because that is something that he could have had complete creative control over. And instead, choosing to like continue on Grant Morrison's like he loves him, genre defying like and complete. Yeah, of course, Grant Morrison is everyone's weird Scottish drug-addicted dad. Um, yeah, I sort of... I, I just think it's it's uh, setting yourself up for failure to draw such direct comparisons. But he was always going to, and so it, maybe it's ballsier to just go for it. Yeah. I just think, um, like, this was definitely the best issue, I think, of this series so mm-hmm. far, and it definitely does make me want to go back and finish reading um, Graham Morrison's Doom Patrol. But I've got so many comics to read, guys. Um, I just don't find this as necessarily compelling as both Shade the Changing Girl and Mother Panic. Oh, no, I definitely think those those books, you know, they, they feel completely like something completely new. But this is, you know, the same way I liked that Avengers 1.1 story. This is something fun and familiar. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think those comics are okay too, guys. Absolutely. They're okay. Should we do Image now? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I only read one Image book, and I'm curious if you read it too. This is a sequel to a book that you hated. Uh, Green, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I did issue read that. Of Green Valley, written by Max Landis, um, with art by uh, Giuseppe Camoncoli. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, the positive. The art on this book. Very nice. Very, very nice indeed. Now, the negative. The rest of this book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, this is a story about, um, you know, in the first issue, we we met these great knights, the knights Mm. of someplace, fantastic, Mm. and um, they, they... kind of intimidate a bunch of trolls and end up defeating or like basically embarrassing these trolls that, that, that come to attack their, t- their town mm-hmm. and then the trolls go away but then at night they come back and they attack and destroy the town that the knights belong to Everyone and they- kill all of their women yeah and uh, so we criticise it just for being like just like not doing anything new fridging all the fucking female characters yeah. to bit you know to motivate these knights to you know be knights that's actually not what has happened immediately. They've kind of just left the town and they don't do anything now. They've been living alone for a year and then a boy comes and and requests their aid. Mm. I just find this really dull. It's like, A, I find myself profoundly bored by comics that have no female characters in them anymore. I feel like I've been spoiled and now I have all of these comics with women in them. Why would I bother reading some bro fest like this? And like the characters are 
boring. Like, I understand. I feel like he's trying to do something with, like, conventions or something. But there's, like, the dumb guy, the hot guy, the noble guy, yeah. the older brother guy. You know? Like, yeah. it just feels like sex in the city for dudes. Um, <laughs> hey, except okay. they're... Lo- that, that would be <laughs> way more fun than this. <laughs> um, and it is, like... It is unfortunate that... Um, what's the other one that's very similar that crosses Ring sci-fi? Yeah, rent. Ring of Fire. Land of Fire? Isn't what it? Is it? No. Something of Fire. Mm, Nathan Fairbairn. Yeah, Nathan Fairbairn's comic. Lake of Fire. Lake of Fire, there we go. Um, which is... So s- superior in every like, single way. Yeah, like, unfortunately draws such direct comparison because it also does the crossing over sci-fi with, like, historical kind of yeah. nights Yeah, I unfortunately thing. missed the third issue of that. Um, but uh, Scott from King's, again, mm-hmm. the nicest guy at King's <laughs> has uh, ordered me one. So oh, can, nice. Did you read issue three of that? I believe I did. Hmm. I believe I enjoyed it. Good. Um, yeah, that is that is such a better book than this, which is unfortunate for, for poor old Max Landis. Did you hear he's, he's going to remake... Um, uh, an American Werewolf in London. No. His dad's like best movie. <laughs> Fuck off. Fine, it's fine. It's all it's fine. Not, well, I guess. The, yeah. uh, I know. I know. I bet the werewolves are going to be bloody women. <laughs> no, actually, Max Landis, you can count on there won't be any women in that movie. <laughs> it will be unless they got their tits out. Ah, uh, you know what? I, his, some of his stuff's fine. He's an easy target. American American Alien, the Superman book that he did was great. that was very good. And Chronicle was fine. <laughs> Did he, uh, did he write Chronicle? Or did he? Uh, I think he wrote and directed yeah, it. Right. Or just no, he didn't direct it. He the director it. was the guy that did Fantastic Four. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, what a team. Holy moly. <laughs> um, so I also read a couple more Image Comics, which it looks like you did didn't have a chance to. Um, I am continuing to read Glitter Bomb, mm-hmm. which everyone else seems to off your. Um, not be into, which is a story by Jim Zub with art by Gibral Morissette Fan and colors by K. Michael Russell. I dropped it because I was bored of the Hollywood is a horrible monster that's out to get everybody um, kind of Well, story. if you were bored of that, you would have been bored by this issue because it continues that theme and runs with it. Um, she is like... This sees her um, trying to persuade her um, long-suffering babysitter that maybe maybe this isn't the job that she really wants being famous because it's um, it can be very destructive. And then she sees a former... Uh, co-worker, colleague of hers on the sci-fi TV show that she was on, getting his star of fame on Hollywood Boulevard as they're getting brunch. Um, and so she goes up to him and then she kills him and that was pretty cool. But yeah, like, I mean, it is kind of... I, I still find I still find it kind of compelling. I find this character fun. And as she becomes more and more taken over by the monster, that's quite fun to read. Sure. But if you are done with the Hollywood as a monster theme, this is taking that Biggest very... Biggest monster of all. It's taking it very literally... Um, I, mean, I noticed that at the back of that issue was a preview of um, After Death, the new Jeff yes. Lemire and Scott Snyder book, which we got a preview copy of mm-hmm. um, last week um, of the first issue. It's a three-part series mm-hmm. coming out at the end of the year. Um, Very different from both. Well, I mean, it's so cool to see Lemire back on I art. think it's more of a Lemire, Lemire book than uh, a Snyder book. But mm. um, what I loved about it, and I, I opened the first page and I was like, uh-oh, lots of text. So wordy. But it's a, it's a, it's a full-on story yeah. with, with, a, with the first half of it anyway before it becomes a comic. And I actually loved that. Yeah, same. Uh, that, that's a great story. I look forward to talking about that in depth when, it, when the issue one comes out first. Absolutely. But, but that's one to maybe put on your pre-order list, guys. Definitely. Check I, it I out. definitely, And it's only three issues too. I, I, and it's in um, magazine format too. Yes. Which Ooh, is really special. Goodness, I love magazine format. And uh, there's a tribute to Darwin Cook in there. There's yeah. A, there's a cow called Darwin Cook. <laughs> So nice. <laughs> exactly the kind of tribute he would have wanted. Um, I also read issue two of Cannibal, which is the new um, story by Jay Young and Brian Bucatello with Matthias Bagara on art, which is set in um, the South where cannibals have started 
taking over. So this is like it's a fairly gritty, disgusting book. It's about zombies that that need to eat flesh but don't want to. Yeah, and they're like they're not quite zombies. They're still people, but they still have the like need to eat flesh craving. So they just yeah. call them cannibals, which makes sense. And this is our sort of hero trying to find out what's happened to his stripper girlfriend who has disappeared. Um, I still like this. You know, like I think it's it's so interesting that there are all these books set in the south showing up. I really like this art. It's very kind of. It's almost like a cleaner Sean G. Murphy, uh-huh. um, like maybe not as no, frenetic or action-packed, but it's sure. got like it's definitely got his vibes, but with a slightly cleaner line to it. Um, yeah, I think this is super enjoyable. If you want like a slightly weird zombie-influenced southern story, this is this is good. Cool, it's cool, and of course, it was my favorite day of the month. Island Day. Um, so we got another issue, um, issue 12 of Island, which has such a great cover by, I think, Marion Churchland, who I love. Again, um, this is the anthology written by, um, sorry, put together by um, by Brandon Graham and Emma Rios. Yep. Um, and this has, I like that in Island, they always make sure they continue on some stories, but they also provide a chapter one. So even if you, any issue of Island that you pick up, if you're confused by one story, you will be introduced to something awesome by the next. Very um, one that I wanted to highlight because I was not as complimentary about it last time um, when I read the first chapter is Zooniverse by Phil Barlow um, and his wife Helen. They are Australian comic creators, which I did not know. Um, and... Brandon Graham actually brought them out onto stage at Graphic and they were so interesting and so um, compelling. And I really like, he gives their information at the beginning of um, the book and I so recommend. If you like sort of uh, like heavy metal-esque sci-fi, like mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of like Tharg's Future Shocks, but like a more kind of slapsticky. Um, it's just this is such a creative book like every single alien is completely different and completely weird and there's so many funny little asides and like funny moments that if you really if you really spend time reading it they've put so much into every single panel um, and it's really really brilliant I really enjoyed that and there's some great other great other books um, in here which I really uh, and I you've really got like. linked to Zooniverse you've got some cool Zooniverse news yeah yeah absolutely so um, I got in touch with Phil and Helen um, after seeing them at Graphic because they were they'd said that they'd never felt supported by any Australian retailers which was um, so disappointing to hear because they've been huge like they've been hugely influential they've done they've worked on every animation you could think of they did like um, that Ghostbusters animated series they did Tuttenstein they did heaps and heaps of stuff overseas and they've just never gotten the recognition that they deserve in Australia um, so we are going to be stocking the Zooniverse comics and some of Phil's other works um, in a King's Comics soon we will be the only retailer in Australia I believe that does that's crazy um, and hopefully we're looking to maybe bring them down um, and bring them up from Melbourne and maybe look at doing a talk or a screening of some of the animated stuff so um, keep keep an eye on the King's Comics Facebook page if that sounds like the kind of thing that you would be interested in sounds great awesome mm. Um, so I only read one more comic this week. Oh my week. god, I read so many. And I've already talked about it, Space Battle Lunchtime, um, about the uh, the reality TV show that has now become a reality TV show cooking show about ca- about cannibalism. It's an all-ages comic. It's very fun and, Amazing. and very well drawn. It's by um, uh, Natalie Ries, um, and uh, I very very much recommend it. But that's my that's my shit review. So uh, the rest of it, it's the Siobhan show, everybody. Oh my god. Do you want me to just not Finally. talk so you know what it's like to host a show by yourself? <laughs> Yes, it sounds like heaven. Actually, I can weigh in on a few of these. I flicked through a few, a few of these issues. Um, so you did not enjoy the first issue of the Chimera Brigade, which nope. was um, is a Titan series by uh, Serge Lehman, Fabrice Collin, and art um, is done by someone called Guess G E S S. 
it makes sense that these are European sounding names because this feels like a very Euro comic, especially in the art style. Mm-hmm. And it's something that it's kind of like an alternate history kind of thing, I suppose, but also crosses over into fiction. Like there's Gregor Samsa, the cockroach, which is a Kafka character, I believe. And like, um, I really enjoy this. I think it's really <laughs> good fun. It brings in, um, this brings in like the Curies, um, Marie Curie and her husband and they're kind of um, what they're working on. It's a it's a dense book and to be honest, I didn't get all the way through it this week because I just had so much to read. Um, but I really like this. It's very clever. Okay, cool. Very fun. Good to hear. Betty Boop, Roger Langridge with art by Gisela Lagas, Lagasse. Another one where everything... Everything I, I should have loved this book, but I just unfortunately didn't. I just it was it was very musical, and that didn't really uh, gel with me very well. I found it difficult to read. Yeah, I really like this. This is such a weird universe, um, and it is still very musical based. But that bothered me less in this, I believe, um, in this issue. But this is such a weird world. Like Betty Boop works at a um, she's a waitress at a jazz club, and this is a world where like there are skeletons and. Siamese twins and ghosts and ghouls and the um, this whole comic um, depends on the existence of the United States Jazz Department. <laughs> so that's like the government department department dedicated to jazz. Um, and it's very funny and very clever and it has a really sweet moment at the end where there's this young character Bippo who's totally in love with Betty and he um, she's, she sits down with him at the end and sort of says like look if I was going to have a boyfriend, I would choose you because you're my best friend and you have the biggest heart and you tried to save me. But I just, I'm trying to be a star and I don't have the time, but you get, um, you get to be my best friend. And isn't that great? And he kind of goes, you know what? I bet that is the best, like, that's the best prize of all. And that was such a, like, such a nice moment and so sweet. And, um, I really like Giselle Lagasse. Um, oh, art's spectacular. And I love Roger Langridge. I, I think this is a great book. It's weird. It is definitely weird. Um, but I, I think it's fun. I think it's one that I think if I picked up a trade, I would probably get more immersed in it. Yeah, and totally. give it a better chance. But they are standalone stories, aren't they? So who knows? Yeah, yeah. They're all little. Um, they're all little individual stories, which is quite good fun. Um, I also read um, issue two of James Bond 007 Hammerhead, which um, is the Andy Diggle written story with art by Luca Casalanguida. Yes, I've got I've got two James Bond books to read this week that I didn't get get the chance to yet. Um, I think the main thing that I've noticed between, like, the difference between this Bond comic and then the Warren Ellis mm-hmm. um, written Bond comic is that this feels more like the um, Pierce Brosnan version oh, of right. um, Bond to me because it's a bit cheesier. There's, a, like, there's, if you like... Um, it even looks more like Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, totally. If you like sort of the dumb, like... Traps, like comebacks, and stuff like like oh, all right. the snappy little dumb Bond lines. Like in this, he um, basically kills a guy by feeding him to a shark and Which using is a classic, the guy. Classic, classic Bond move. And then he goes, the other man, like the sexy lady goes, the other man is he? Did you? And he goes, he bit off a bit more than he could chew. Ugh. Like classic. Classic. So he's really this is a real, real hammy version of Bond, which is which yeah. definitely has its place. Yeah. So if you want to see, if you would like to see the Pierce Brosnan version of James Bond um, feeding a man to a shark. This is the comic for you. Absolutely. <laughs> you didn't read um, Benny and Veronica issue two? So I had a little skip through it. I mean, I, I was, you know, I was very much trying to be, trying to get 
get the ones that I was most interested in um, in red, red first. Mm. Um, I, they don't, it does not appeal to me at all. The muted colors on this book it's look so It's such a weird shit. choice, isn't it? It's so I mean, weird. The, the main reason you would read this book is for the Adam Hughes art. Yeah. And it is the worst I've ever seen, I've ever seen it, to be it's, honest. It's this bizarre, they've decided to do it in this really washed out color palette, almost as if like they're trying to be like, mm, nostalgia, but it just doesn't quite... It just doesn't quite work. Um, I've read a review of this and it, and someone compared it to when you um, read something on your iPad with the uh, resolution, like the, yeah. the screen turned, the backlight turned as low as possible in the daytime. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't look right. Mm. Um, this is a comic. Like, I'm so torn by this because there's moments that I really enjoy and bits that I really find funny. And Adam Hughes is like a brilliant artist. Um, and even though the colors are muted, there's some really brilliant moments of physical comedy that he manages. Um, and I like the difference I, between Betty and Veronica in this. Betty is the best and Veronica is like horrible for no reason. And I kind of love it. It's kind of brilliant. Um, and Betty's such a fun character in this. She's really like lively. She's really full of energy all the time, which is um, super fun. And she's up for a she is up for a ruck with Veronica. But then occasionally Adam <laughs> <A> Hughes <ruck>. just <laughs> every now and again Adam Hughes just reminds you of what an old man he is because <laughs> the end like the end sort of punchline is like oh no Veronica didn't she brought hipsters to Riverdale and so Veronica is like mm, yes the hipsters are going to come to my big mainstream chain coffee house because apparently that's what hipsters <laughs> like and they all have twirly moustaches and plaid shirts buttoned up and big beards and they all love Instagram and stuff like that and it was just a bit like Adam Hughes you're so old you don't <laughs> understand things um, but there's there's it's quite fun you know Veronica's quite evil yeah I just yeah I, I don't but think I, again who is this comic for yeah. you know like it's not for it's not an all ages book and like I feel did we talk about the last Josie in the Pussy? Yeah, we comic? did. That had a Proust reference in it. Who is that for? <laughs> you know, like it didn't make any sense. Um, and this is another one that's a bit. I just don't. I I don't know who it's for, but I'm 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 still kind of on board. And this issue had such a cool David Mack cover. Yeah, with the is it the, is that. It the main one or is it the variant? Uh, this is a variant. Oh yeah, well, like I mean, a few because I, I got I got there's a, um, four separate covers. I got a Kevin Kevin Sawa. What, what was the, no, Kevin what was Wada? Wada. Oh, yeah, mm, yeah. He's yep. the best. He the best clothes. at clothes. Best at fashion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm. I think I'm off this one. Oh yeah. Yep. I'm still. I'm still going to read it because um, <laughs> I love. I still love that it's being narrated by Hot Dog. Yep. Just ridiculous. <laughs> um. So I also read Shipwreck issue two of Shipwreck, which is the Warren Ellis Phil Hester new trippy book where on aftershock. Um, I wasn't so sure about the first um, issue. The second issue completely hooked me from the first bit. The first thing that we see is this guy cutting up a dead body for a sky burial. So he peels all of the skin off and then the crows come and pick the um, body clean and then he smashes up the bones and that's a sky burial. So cool. And you start to understand more about this character and he has this crazy technology that allows him to move from place to place, but he thinks maybe he's accidentally ended up in hell. Um, And people come... this main character has been shipwrecked in this horrible land. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he comes to this um, place, and it's like a bar in the middle of nowhere that people come to because outside there's this huge bell, and they do it. Um, they come there to die underneath the bell. So someone rings the bell, and the shock waves and like the thing eventually make all of their organs like disintegrate, and that's how they they choose to die. Wow. And he meets this sort of purple woman there who seems who wants his technology. Like it's it's a like you. St- 
very, very compelling book. He, if, if nothing else, Warren Ellis has some of the best ideas yeah, in, in comics. Totally. Um, yeah. Uh, I just, yeah. He's, he's, and he's had a really good year. Absolutely. We're going to, this week, um, Siobhan and I are going to work out our awards. Yes. Which which we'll be able, you'll be able to vote on. And I think Warren Ellis is definitely going to get a nod for Best Writer of the Year. Yeah. He'll lose, but yes. he, he'll get a nod. <laughs> <laughs> he should at least be on the list. Um, so I also read Alters. Which is issue another, two of Alters. Which is another Aftershock book. Yep. Um, with Paul Jenkins by art by Leila Lays and um, what's her name? Tamara Bonvillain on Colours. Who also did the Colours on something else that we reviewed earlier. Oh, awesome. Uh, on, um, on Doom Patrol. She's very good. Yeah. Um, so this is like the controversial book um, that Paul Jenkins is writing because the character is trans and in the process of transitioning um, from male to female without telling um, telling her family or telling their family. And she's also transitioning into a superhero. Yep. I think it's, like it's, it's supposed it's not, to be... It's not controversial because it's a trans character. No. And it's trans- controversial because the writer is not trans. And exactly. has no experience with that and writing it in a, what some would call a fairly heavy-handed fashion. Yeah. And I mean, like, um, Paul Jenkins writes a, uh, quite a good essay in the back where he sort of talks about how every issue is run past six trans people that he knows and he tries to get as much um, input as he possibly can. There's a good interview in the back as well, which is um, very, very interesting. This character is a bit one-dimensional so far. Like, I think, I think a lot was of the, the biggest complaint. Yeah, from, I think from a, was it the, the girl who the um, writer who who does uh, Kim and Kim. Kim and Kim. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that is a totally valid criticism because so far this character's personality is trans. Like that seems to be their key character development sure. and trans you and sort a of superhero. Wish, yeah, like her whole thing is like that's the key thing about this person. It kind of wished that you got to see a little bit more about them outside of that mm-hmm. and who who Charlie is and what Charlie likes and what Charlie's friends are like and not just Charlie is struggling because she's transitioning. Yep. Um, this kind of builds up a family a little bit more, like her dad turns out to be a little bit bigoted. Duh. Um, I like that she has a brother with cerebral palsy. I think that's um, interesting but hasn't been explored yet, mm-hmm. um, especially while in the sort of superhero side of things isn't that compelling. Right. You know, like it's not a super interesting um, universe thus far. But I'm willing to give it I'm willing to give it another couple of issues. You know okay. what I mean? That's good. Um, I also read, last thing I think I read, is um, the uh, comic Black, written by Jamal Eagle with... Oh, no. Yes, Jamal, uh, Jamal Eagle on um, art with Kauri Randolph and Kwanzaa Osayefo, um is the author. So this is this series where um, the only people who have superpowers are black. So um, the cover is extremely heavy. It's a very heavy cover um, that references sort of lynchings against African-Americans. Um, but this is like... Like, it deals with heavy themes, but it's such a fun superhero book at its core like this is kind of we're now getting the getting the team together like getting the band back sure. together yep. and developing the team and we have a trans character who shows up um like and has immediately more personality than charlie <laughs> does in alters <laughs> um and this has got some you know 
some horrible white racists and some. Um, it feels oh, like it's a very much, the art on this looks so much better than the first issue. The art is incredible, and um, it's so nice to have a book in black and white every now and again. I really enjoy that, and yeah, I I, I really like this book. It feels very um, timely. It's quite. Uh, difficult in terms of subject matter, but it still manages to be like a heaps fun superhero book. Yeah, totally. I really enjoyed well, it because the, the first issue was like, oh, that's a really cool idea, and then yeah. not much happened. Yeah, this looks really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a cool comic, guys. Okay, great. Looking forward to reading this one. Um, a few, a few notes. Uh, some comics that I'm going to try and get through that I didn't get through mm-hmm. uh, this week that we didn't talk about. Evil Heroes, Chimichanga, Casanova. Um, Poe Dameron, nice. Trigger Man, James Bond, um, the the Oren Ellis one, um, the Lost Boys number two, Red Hood and the Outlaws, and Action Comics. Nice. So I'll try. I, I'll, I might do a quick little burn through them at the end of the week. Awesome. I also read week. two trades this week, which I wanted to um, give special mention to because I don't read enough comics. Um, <laughs> I can't think of who wrote it now, but um, Michael von Oming just worked on a. Um, graphic novel called Alistair and Adolf, which is kind of connecting Alistair Crowley, the um, notorious magician, and um, Adolf Hitler, obviously, in the Second World War, and it deals with all that kind of mysticism and icky icky magic that the um, the Nazis were involved in. And it is heaps good fun. Michael von Oeming does probably the best work of his career. Oh, it's by um, it's by media theorist Douglas Rushkoff. So it's a like it's a very very cerebral comic book. It's very very brilliant. I really highly recommend tracking it down. We've already sold out at Kings, wow. so find a copy elsewhere. Um, I also am currently in the process of reading because it is a dense read and it is brilliant. Is um, a comic called Muhammad Ali, which is a um, celebrating the life of Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, and it. You know, I'm not a boxing fan, and this is um, this gives you such a thorough understanding of who Ali was, the the social um, context of when he sort of lived and how he came up, and um, all that kind of stuff goes into a lot about Malcolm X and their friendship and. It's it's completely brilliant. It's um, a European comic. I can't. I actually can't find who wrote and did the art on it, but it is beautiful to look at. Um, it almost feels like it should have been printed larger because the text gets quite small and every page has so much crammed into it. Um, but it is a really. If you like um, comic book biographies and things mm-hmm. like that, this is really brilliant. This is one I'd really highly recommend. Unbelievable! Cool. Well done on reading uh, more comics than me this week. Thank you. Um, We've got some emails that we're going to get read uh, in in next week's episode, I think. Yeah, we're, we're about to end this one. Um, but if you'd like to send an email to us, uh, it's seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Uh, please, we love hearing from you. Or you can write to us in uh, on our page, which is facebook.com slash seriousissuespodcast, or on our group, which is serious, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash seriousissuespodcast. You can yeah. even discuss this very episode. Um, Come chat. Maybe, maybe you disagreed with some of our reviews, and uh, we, we're more than welcome arguments about what we've said. Yes, please. I love it. Um, um, yeah, shout outs to um, Joe from New Jersey. Thanks for the nice email. We will answer your very interesting question hopefully next week. Um, some interesting books coming out next week. Um, a lot of second issues of books that we liked um, when they came out uh, last month. We've got um, the second issue of Angel City, The Electric Sublime, the uh, incredible um, art book through um, IDW. Um, Infamous Iron Man number two comes out next week. Jessica Jones number two comes out. So a double Bendis hit. Looking forward nice. to complaining about that. Um, Moonshine number two, the Azzarello um, book that came out. And um, Reborn number two, the Mark Millar. And, um, uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what's his name? Uh, dude who did Batman. Very famous. Who's the other one? What's, what's, you know, the guy who did Scott Snyder's run on Batman. Oh, Capula. Capula. Greg Capula. Greg Capula. That's his name. Um, 
Also, the, the, I'm going to have to read the second issue of the Kiss comic because I want to hey. see what's going on there. Uh, but number ones, we've got um, Thanos number one by oh, Jeff yep. Lemire. Great. Um, Slam number one uh, through Boom, which has got art by Veronica Fish. It's about roller derby. Fun. And um, Ether number one, which is a new book by Matt Kent, which is very exciting. I'm very keen for that. So uh, we will see you next week. Um, if, if you uh, have, a, have a chance to go to our iTunes page and uh, leave a nice review of, uh, of Serious Issues so that more people lovely. like your good self can hear it in the future. And again, uh, welcome to all new listeners that, we've, uh, that have joined us in the last few weeks. It's uh, been really cool seeing the download numbers do better than they ever have. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, and uh, we look forward to discussing comics with you on further issues, episodes of Serious Issues. We call it Serious Episodes. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds better. <laughs> all right. Like we say every week, Siobhan, what do we say? Just stay serious, guys. We sure do. See you later. Because I'm forced to. <laughs> Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.